bottom line in business. Voice America Business. Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of leading conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. And good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. Well, today we have a very special guest with us, Justine Willis-Toms. Justine is co-founder and managing producer of the New Dimensions Media World Broadcasting Network and New Dimensions Radio, and she is also author of her newest book, Small Pleasures, Finding Grace in a Chaotic World. Good morning, Justine. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Cheryl. Thank you so much for asking me to be on. It is so good to have you here. Now, where are you this morning? I'm sitting actually in my office. It's a bright, sunny day. It was frosty this morning, but um, clear, although we do need some rain, don't we? Oh, yeah. So you're in Ukiah, right? I am in Ukiah. In Northern California, Mm -hmm. Northern California. For anybody who doesn't know where that is, and many of our global listeners would not, um, it is a beautiful little oasis in uh, Northern California, and uh, it's very interesting to drive across the Golden Gate Bridge going north and to move into this different world from the city. It's just Mm -hmm. such a respite. I love it. Right. I I love it. And we're in the heart of Mendocino County, Mm. which is about two hours north of the Golden Gate Bridge. And in this county, we're one of the uh, foremost organic growers um, in all of the U.S., including organic grapes. We have a lot of grapes up here. Of course. And uh, they're grown organically, and we ship out our expertise all over the world about how to do that. Oh, my. Yes. Well, it's it's a really rich environment in many, many ways. Mm-hmm. So let's talk, let's start by talking about this book, Small Pleasures, Finding Grace in a Chaotic World. It's a beautiful, beautiful book. I encourage people to go out and buy it right away um, because it's just a wonderful reminder of how to center. And tell us, Justine, what was the impetus for writing this book? Well, you know, for 35 years, uh, my husband and I, Michael and I, have been um, conducting dialogues, radio dialogues, with some of the world's most exciting wisdom leaders. And you can imagine, um, on occasion, some people have asked me, what are the most important lessons I've learned in those 35 years of both producing the radio program and also in doing our own business and just my own exploration of um, how to live a more balanced, happy life. And I've come up, you know, it's hard to say, okay, what have I come up with? But I actually wrote the book and I realized that I have come up with five pieces of advice that I realize have consistently served me over the years. These are five insights that have what I call a firmly supported me like stepping stones as I've crossed the ever changing chaotic stream of my life. I you know, Cheryl, you you might agree with me that that sometimes our our lives seem rather chaotic and and changing and and we make plans and they kind of change and and move and so what are those things that 
those advices, inspirations that hold us up. And I've come up with five of them. And so this book is divided into those five sections. Hmm. So tell us about those. Well, the first one that I, I discovered was the wisdom of keeping one's mind and heart open, like to remain ever curious about the world, being open to new questions. Um, in order, you know, one of the greatest gifts that um, humans have is our gift of the imagination. Mm-hmm. At least I believe that that's one of our greatest gifts. And in order to nourish that gift, we must remain alive to new and wondrous possibilities. And uh, I, I found that for myself, when I first, over 35 years ago, when I first met Michael, I, I, had, I had really thought that I knew exactly how the world worked and exactly how it all was going to be. And, and I had set up my tent and I had sprayed fixative on it and I had framed it, this, this truth that I felt was was unshakable and put it up on the wall. And then I met Michael, and um, he, he we, we would argue about uh, my truth versus whatever he was thinking. And every time that we talked, and this is one of the opening essays in the book, every time that we talked about my truth, he, he never said, oh, no, that's wrong, Justine. He never argued with me that way. What he did, he said, yes, and you might look at it like this. And every time he said that, he put whatever I, my thinking was in a much larger context. And I got more and more excited by this. Mm-hmm. I really felt that years later, looking back on it, that what I was really going for was the biggest truth I know. And I'm still exploring that, and we still explore that on New Dimensions. So I I learned that it's not so much the answers as it is the questions we are asking and the pause to really listen to one another so that, that our actions might be more gentle and more all-inclusive rather than just how fast we are to jump to this or that or the other when we think we just know everything. So that was the first one. And the second one was um, being, alive, uh, being active socially and politically uh, by serving in some way but without driving ourselves crazy. <laughs> so being an activist without driving ourselves crazy. And... It, for me, I, I realize it's important to be able to anchor ourselves in the world with some spiritual practice or some time for introspection while we continue to be involved and in sharing our passions in all the different layers and levels out in the world. Um, for me, it's analogous to breathing in like one spiritual practice and breathing out one's outer activity in the world, we need both. We need the balance of both. If if we if we're just doing our spiritual practice and not making making any contribution in the world to our family, to our community, in some way, then uh, what good is it? Yet, if we're only out there serving uh, and being active in the world and not taking care of ourselves, we'll surely burn out. So those are the two. Two wings of the bird, so to speak, to, well, to help. And it makes fly. me wonder about the political activism because it seems to me that um, 
most of the time, people view that as extremes, that um, you can't be politically active unless you're, you know, pounding the pavement, protesting in the streets, that that is the definition of political activism in our society, or you're standing in front of Congress and, you know, being profound. And yet, what I'm hearing you say is that it doesn't, it's not always that big. No, it, it can be something very small. I have an essay in the book um, about a colleague, Tom Greenaway, who um, he, he moved up to Ukiah when we moved the uh, office up here. And he, he had been working with us for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. And when he moved up to this small town, he, he made a commitment to do something active in, in to serve the community in some way. And what he did is that he every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock, he went to the public um, city council meeting, and he would sit there in a non-judgmental way, but just sit there and observe and witness. And now some days, people, there would be hundreds of people there. There would be some issue, as, as you say, where people feel very passionate about one side of the issue or the other side, and they would be arguing back and forth, and they would have their two minutes to speak. And Tom would just sit there. He wouldn't say a word. Mm-hmm. And other times he would be there, and he would be the only one there. And the city council uh, people uh, thought, who is this guy? What is his flag that he's waving? When is he going to stand up? And he never stood up, and pretty soon they got very used to him being there, and they became they became friends. And, and um so when he retired from New Dimensions, the city council people came to um, the, his retirement party, and each one said how much he actually contributed to their meeting. They, they all said they were better public servants because Tom was there week in and week out observing in a non-judgmental way. And so that's just an example of here's a little thing. He served the whole community. We all benefited because our city council acted in a better way with, with a greater um, uh, skill than, than if they weren't observed. And Isn't so that he, interesting? It's as if in being witness to them on a consistent basis, they somehow may have felt more accountable to their responsibility and what they had to do. And also, they must have felt like somebody cares. Exactly. Uh, it, precisely. Well said. So when, when, when we think about being active in the world, it, it can be anything. It doesn't even have to be political. It can be um, some volunteer work for, let's say, a, a local uh, soup kitchen, or it can be uh, finding a way to, to help people get to their doctor's appointment. I mean, it can be anything, so it doesn't even have to be political. If that's your bent, then go for it. But I, I do think that, that we, we're in a new, new time of deep listening to one another. Uh, this, this is coming from our present administration. Instead of polarizing, he, he, uh, Obama is a person who is willing to listen to all sides, and he is modeling that for all of us. And I think that uh, there, there's a lot to be said to hearing each other um, and to really go for the 
for because what we want to do is to go for what really works, what really serves, rather than my opinion or your opinion. If we go down to our basic values, what we want, mm. and what we what we want for our children, what we want for our community, are really very similar. And Isn't if we it go interesting how um, our new president, President Barack Obama, has captured the imagination of people, people who voted for him, people who didn't vote for him, people around the globe. He's captured the imagination um, to Well, he surely has. He, yeah, I've, I've heard reports from people all over the world that are, are very heartened that uh, someone... Uh, we were we were with someone who was from Italy, and he said that Italians were saying, "Ah, he's found the real Americans," and that was so heartening that that they really believed that there was a a a, a good spirit in America still alive and well, and and that he's tapped into that good spirit of Americans. It, uh, it certainly is a feel-good fest, and you know, um, and everywhere I go, it seems like people are, are talking about it. We can't stop talking about it, um, which is good because that helps keep the dream alive. Um, now, I want to get to the third, fourth, and fifth insight that you have, but we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. From the stock market floor to your laptop, we are Voice America Business. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. More and more business people recognize the importance of spirituality in their work. How do busy professionals discover what rings true for them? Embracing the journey with Karen Humphrey Salad explores what it means to be spiritually fulfilled in business and how to integrate spiritual direction into a career. Expert guests, authors, and inspiring speakers join Karen every week to discuss such issues as honesty, compassion, generosity, ethics, and integrity in the workplace. Take a positive step forward to greater life balance. Tune into Embracing the Journey with Karen Humphrey Salad, broadcasting every Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. From the stock market floor to your laptop, we are Voice America Business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome back to Leading Conversations. We're speaking with Justine Toms this morning, author of Small Pleasures, Finding Grace in a Chaotic World. Justine, we were talking about the five insights that you have um, lived in your life and and will now share with us in your new book. The first two being the wisdom of keeping one's mind and heart open and the second one being active socially and politically by serving others. Um, What's the third one? Well, the third one is nature and animals as teachers. 
So being able to listen and learn beyond the human voices that so dominate our world. Uh, so it, it's really important that, that we do that. Take time out from all the, the, the chatter and the clutter that happens in our lives and be, be out in nature or to all the great wisdom teachers talk about this and how, and, and if we ever do it, when we actually take time, even, even just going out into our yards or, or, or just taking a moment to be with our animals, someone was describing how, um, she would sit down and read a book and, and have her cat and purring in her lap. Well, I, I laugh. I, I've been saying, I think that we should have good purring cats in the war room. <laughs> and, you know, uh, they, because they really help us. You know, cats are, are animal companions. They can be so wonderful. They, they, um, they, dogs and cats, cats remind us to care for ourselves, to do our yoga every morning, to take frequent naps, to sit in the sun, to listen to the birds. Now, they may be listening to the birds for a different reason. But, <laughs> uh, and dogs are most amazing. They teach us about unconditional love, and about non-judgment and appreciation. They teach us, uh, remind us to be in joy and exuberance that life is is just uh, a wonder to to be to be part of it and and so dogs just are, are wonderful that way and then there are um, there are just the birds Michael and I really enjoy the birds in our yard and whenever I I go out into the yard and I'm just sitting there and I'm listening and watching the birds, everything else falls away. All my worry falls away. It's just, uh, I love the trees around my house. It's just a pleasure. There's something that takes place. I think it's in our DNA because we are part of nature, and it's really good to, to be able to take that time to listen and learn beyond the human voices and to learn from nature and to learn from our animal companions and the so, animals. And what do you say to people who um, respond to that with, well, how nice and, you know, I'm busy, I'm, I've got pressures of work and family and putting food on the table and I live in the middle of a city and, you know, um, the um, closest thing to nature are the pigeons who stop by my front step, and you know it's like I can imagine people pushing back on this and saying, "I don't have time for this." What do you say to them? Well, I can give an example of someone who did live a very, very busy life in downtown Manhattan in a high rise, and he would go to work every morning uh, almost before the sun came up, and he would get home after the the sun went down. So and he so there was no time for himself to get out into nature. So what he did, this is this just shows a little innovation. He he put down a whole piece of plastic down in front of one of his windows, and he went out and he bought some sod. This is the kind of grass that you can unroll, mm-hmm. and he he laid this sod down in front of the window. So he had this little grassy patch <laughs> right there in his apartment, and. What he would do is he would cut his grass. <laughs> you know, you would he would smell the how you know that wonderful smell when grass is first yeah, cut, yeah. and then he would take off his shoes and he would walk in his grass. 
he would sit down and meditate in his thought, in his on the earth, in this earthy place, right up in the, his high rise. So he made it possible for him to have a piece of the natural world right there in his home. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, I, I um, there, there are others. I, I don't know. Just, just like, what about contemplating? The spider web outside of your window. <laughs> you know right. what an amazing creature spiders are, and how very beneficial they are to all of our lives. We we have no idea, and the intricacy of their webs. So, so just just being not even having to go outside. Sometimes there'll be something there, like a spider web somewhere, where you can just watch over over time their whole life cycle. And just contemplate that the small and the large. Mm. So um, there, there are all way, all sorts of ways to to be to remember nature and let it inform you. So nature can come to you if you pay attention. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Interesting. Exactly. So you talk about community. Well, the fourth insight that I have um, discovered um, is I, as I say, as I cross that chaotic stream of my life, and what a, a big stepping stone for me are um, forming circles or being with people who I call friends of the heart, friends who are committed to support me in my fullness. And um, Mary Manon Morrissey, the uh, Reverend Mary Manon Morrissey, has said that it's really important to have partners in our believing, people who help to hold our dream is sacred in their mind and heart, and this encourages us. It helps them. It reminds me of an uh, African saying, um, which is, to love someone is to learn the song that is in that person's heart and to sing it to them when they have forgotten. And that's what we can, can you do say that for again? each other. Can you say that again? To love someone is to learn the song that is in that person's heart, and to sing it to them when they have forgotten. That is beautiful. This this comes from an African uh, way where when a a child is conceived, the um, seer uh, or shaman of the tribe listens in to what is the song of this, this, this being. And then when that little baby is born, they, they sing this song to the baby. And then they sing this song again at the different times during that child's life as they're growing up, the different uh, uh, rituals of like coming into adolescence or coming into adulthood or marriage. or And then they sing that song again when they're dying. So it's a wonderful idea for all of us to think that we can reflect back to each other. And um, this, um, what they say about this is that it is uh, something that people can can really feel um, into remembering your beauty when you're feeling mm. ugly or your wholeness when you are broken or your innocence when, when you feel guilty and, and, most importantly, your purpose when you get confused. Mm. So this is, is how we can befriend each other and, and be together 
so I, I have in the book ways of starting circles and maintaining the circle, and, and I'm part of, of several, many, many circles. Uh, one circle is um, we've been together for over 30 years. It's a mixed circle of men and women, and our children have grown up in that circle. And, we, you know, we we used to live close together, and we used to meet, like, weekly, but now we can only meet a couple of times a year. But we plan, like, a longer weekend, so that we plan to be together for three or four days at a time, a couple of times a year. And then we're together on the Internet, so we, and we're on the phone to each other. So, um, you know, circles can be, you know, however you want to do them, whatever works for you, but make sure to do them. Put them in your calendar. It's got making a commitment, uh, and and over time, you will uh, develop such a tremendous sense of trust, and you will be able to to get so many benefits and and just it's like choosing a family, and you're just growing together and growing all together. And do you have? Um, I mean, this sounds like really intentionally creating the circle of people you want to have around you and you want to have influence your life and you want to share with. And do you have um, agreements around certain ways of being together? Well, we do. One one thing that, that we do in, in our circles is that we honor the circle as a sacred time and space. So it, it's, set, it's not a time to sit down and gossip and, and you know, all those daily things that we do, uh, but but to to really honor it is a sacred time. So we frequently, what we do is we, we have a center in the circle. We light some candles. We call in spirit. And we call in our intentions for being together. And then we, we all speak from the heart um, so that we can develop our authentic voice. And we listen from the heart um, without judgment. It's not a therapy session. And we speak one at a time, even making room for silence so that the mystery can emerge. And and we rotate leadership, so we share the responsibility. If someone wants to lead us in a process or something like that, that's fine. But there's no one person that always does it. And then we we commit to an ongoing relationship, and that, as I say, engenders trust. And we honor the confidentiality of the circle in order to create safety. And um, so, and we we keep the commitment when we we meet together. Then we keep that commitment, and it's it's just a marvelous way. We in our circles frequently we use a talking stick, and we talk one at a time. Now, if if somebody in the circle wants advice, they can ask. They they can ask what what do you see? What what can can you help me see more clearly into this? You can always ask for advice, but it's not offered unless asked for. Mm. So we um, uh, it, it's and one one way to start a circle is first of all to make a clear intention. Mm-hmm. And then to, I say to write it down because everything is born twice. It's born first of the imagination, and then it's born into the world. So writing it down is the first act of birthing it into the world. And then then put out the call. Uh, talk to a couple of friends. You don't need a lot of people. You can start off with two or three of you 
and and that's the basis of the beginning of the circle. And if you meet on a regular basis, it will attract what you need. So, but just make sure that you meet on a regular basis. So, being small is fine. The consistency is what's important. Hmm. That's and beautiful. also, it's important to to stick to your time to put, to mm-hmm. start sure. at a certain time and always to end at the time you agree on. That's also important. That is really good advice, and I know for myself, having experienced circle work and having experienced relationships born from circle, um, how powerful they can be, which, you know, we don't do a whole lot of in our busy, chaotic lives, which is why you talk about finding grace in the chaotic world, and um, so I want to talk more about this and also your fifth insight when we come back right after this break. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Hey, Dad. What? I can't get the ketchup bottle open. Here, let me try. Here you go. Thanks. You don't have to be a hero to be a hero. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. The economy and financial markets continue to expand in both their size and complexity. But being able to anticipate changes in the markets for housing, jobs, and financial assets remains a crucial ingredient to our financial well-being. On the economy and the markets, with economist, investment strategist, portfolio manager, and host, Doug Cliggett, utilizes his 25 years of experience with that of his highly informed guests to provide clear, reasoned explanations of current events. To navigate the markets that influence our lives every day of the week, tune into The Economy and the Market. With Doug Cliggett, broadcasting each Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. The economy and the markets. Clear thoughts in a complex world. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome back to Leading Conversations. We're speaking with Justine Toms this morning. Justine, in speaking about your book, Small Pleasures, Finding Grace in a Chaotic World, um, you've been sharing with us the five insights. We've actually been through four. What is the fifth insight? Well, the fifth insight is to celebrate fiercely, (laughs) to remember to celebrate. You know, there are... um, they're the big celebrations. We've just had a big celebration about and with the inauguration of a new president. We've uh, come through New Year's celebration, Christmas celebration, Thanksgiving. Those are the big celebrations. 
But but what about those small celebrations, the small details that we've accomplished in the week toward our bigger goal or dream? Um, do, do, do we remember to celebrate that? You know, um, I, I, several times a week I make a list of priorities of things that I must do, and it helps me to keep focus, you know. And, but however, as the days progress, I inevitably get sidetracked by other tasks that clamor for my attention. The phone rings or I'm looking up a piece of information for someone, and I'm updating the database. I'm doing all sorts of things. The computer crashes, um, all sorts of things. And and I and it may take me a couple of days to get back to that list of things to do. And I'll say, okay, now I'm going to go to that list. And then I'll look at that list. And you know, Cheryl, it it inevitably I I find that even without thinking about it, I've actually accomplished a couple of things on that list, and it so surprises me. Now, this is where celebration comes in. Because I wrote it down, then I'm able to take out my pen and cross it off the list. (laughs) And that's like a celebration. And you know, Cheryl, if I hadn't have written it down, I would have never realized that I had accomplished it. Because, remember, I wrote it down, but I didn't even think about it again. And then I didn't even remember that I, I was, I want, I'd set myself the task of accomplishing it until I looked at that list. And, and I also encourage people that, that if they do something and they haven't written it down, well, write it down just for the pleasure <laughs> of celebrating, crossing it off the list. So that's one of those small celebrations. We're so busy looking backwards at what we haven't accomplished or looking forward to all the things that we need to do. And forget all the things that, that we have accomplished and that we need to celebrate in, in our lives. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I just, one of the pieces in the book, um, uh, really talks about this. It's called, um, celebrate, in fact, it's called Celebrate Fiercely. And, and, um, I, I describe that Michael and I are standing on the front porch of a, um, in Charlottesville, Virginia, with Bill McDonough, William McDonough, who is a participatory, um, anticipatory um, design architect, and, and he wrote a book called Cradle to Cradle, Relooking at How We Make Things. He is all about sustainable living. And we were talking about Bucky Fuller, uh, our Buckminster Fuller, the creator of the geodesic dome, and and it was a spring day, and it had just finished raining, and the sun came out, and everything was just sparkling. You can imagine that it's spring day back east. And Michael had said something like, um, he said, well, you know, Bucky says that form follows function. And uh, I'll just read this little part if I can. Sure. Bill caught his breath in a rather pregnant pause, and Michael and I could see the wheels turning in his brain. He finally said, form follows function, function follows evolution, and evolution follows celebration. Hmm. It was so obvious right there before our eyes. Spring, Spring was having a splendiferous party, and everyone was invited. Everywhere we looked, our eyes feasted on dazzling beauty. 
it was obvious that life is all about celebration. Bill went on to say, it's not about survival of the fittest. It's about those who celebrate the most being the true evolutionary winners. Nature is all about fierce celebration. And I, I, I just, I, I loved what he had to say about that, that, that celebrating actually has something, is a biological need. It, 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 it's, it, we get it reflected back to us from nature all the time. So, um, you know, life isn't all about drudgery or work or earning a living, but it's about more than that. And especially in these very difficult times, very challenging times, it's really important to remember to to celebrate and remember to uh, one of the things that I do is I I keep a gratitude journal mm-hmm. and when I'm in worry and and I catch myself on on that that particular channel so to speak I I try and pull myself out of it and and move into uh, gratitude and just think of three things that I'm grateful for. And it changes my whole physiology. It changes my breathing. It cha- I stand up straighter. I sit up straighter. My, my, my blood runs more freely. I'm getting more oxygen to my brain. So physiology, physiologically, it's actually helping me. So it, it makes a difference. Well, you know, I like um, what you're talking about because... These are things that each of us can do all day long. These are things that you know don't require going away to um, week-long training sessions in order to be taught how to do these things. These are things that we need to create as habits. And yet I find that um, I, even for myself and for many people I know, uh, these are the things that we forget about mostly. So what is your advice to people around how to really capture this and make it part of our life? How do you, how do you create the habit of this? Well, uh, you know, it is like habits of the mind uh, because our, our mostly our habit is to go into worry and fret. Mm. Uh, I, I mean, I have to admit it. I, I'm, I'm probably, I, I, I haven't logged what my day is like. But we can start to turn that around and by doing these little tricks for ourselves. The first thing is to realize that that's where we are, Mm. to realize that, oh, I'm in the worry mode. Sometimes we can be in the worry mode uh, and not even realize it for a long time. So that's the first thing is to develop some sort of mechanism to, to start to catch ourselves. As we, because as we start to worry, we start to slump over, our breath gets shallow, we, we um, f- start frowning, we, we just start concentrating on all the things that may go wrong. We're not in the present moment. And I can remember many years ago, Michael, Michael would often say to me, because I was very much in that habit mm. of um, worry, and uh, he would say, well, Justine, are you cold right now? And I would say, well, no. He'd say, well, are you hungry right now in this moment? And I would say, well, no. And he said, do you have a roof over your head right now? And I said, well, yes. 
He says, so now, why are you worried? Remind me why are you worried? <laughs> <laughs> and just always bringing ourselves back right now. What is going on right now for me? And and even even if we're in, I I don't know, uh, uh, in a in a traumatic situation with a loved one, uh, we can remember to breathe. It is that magic. Magic, like if if a pharmaceutical could could um, patent the, the taking a deep breath as a pill, they would surely mm-hmm. take a patent out on it because <laughs> it is a magic pill mm-hmm. to take a deep breath and to then uh, straighten up our spine and to sit a little more straight. Even practice smiling. Just take a smile and just even if you don't mean it. Just move those muscles <laughs> into a smile. Uh, I know I have a, a piece in the book about um, waking up in the middle of the night uh, when, you know, that 4 o'clock in the morning when it just kind of seizes us mm. and there's nothing we can do about it. And um, so at that point, one of the games I play with myself, I play the game, wouldn't it be wonderful and I'll say, I'll start to practice using that phrase. Wouldn't it be wonderful if, and I would just start imagining all these great things that could happen. Wouldn't it be wonderful if if peace broke out in the Middle East and just imagining the world being what it's like, would would be like if if people were, were not living in a war zone there? Um, or, or wouldn't it be wonderful... Um, if I don't know, you, what, what what would you say, Cheryl? What would a wouldn't it be wonderful? Can you wouldn't think? it be wonderful if we had automobiles that or vehicles of some sort that could get us from point A to point B without um, destroying Mother Nature? Oh, just imagine that we could just sit there and design it ourselves. Mm-hmm. It could be beautiful, yeah. and 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 then they run. So quietly, and we just are running around. In fact, that that would lessen the noise pollution too. True. <laughs> so uh, you know, we we here we are. You know, all these things. So that's that's that way of changing that channel from the worry channel to another channel. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, there, it's a pretty interesting time in our world, and not just in the U.S., but globally. And I want to talk about um, how, what your worldview is and how we can be with that and the ways we can be with that. And we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. The Bottom Line in Business, Voice America Business. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexsaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Why is Pepsi cooler than Coke? Why are iPods so popular? In 2005, how can you launch a successful brand? Want to know? 
Learn about the fascinating and intriguing world of graphic design and branding on Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time, Debbie Millman will provide you with a provocative look into the stimulating world of design as it intersects with contemporary culture. Hear what the experts have to say about creating, maintaining, and launching a brand in today's challenging marketplace. Join us every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time for Design Matters with Debbie Millman, right here on the Bottom Line and Business Talk, Voice America Business. The Bottom Line in Business, Voice America Business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. Now back to your host, Cheryl. And welcome back to Leading Conversations. We're speaking with Justine Toms this morning. Justine, in um, writing your book, you have given us some real perspective on how to move through our days in ways that can actually nurture and support our imagination and, you know, kind of being open to possibility. I'm curious to know your perspective on kind of where we are in our world challenges today. You know, this is a pretty interesting time. Um, We have probably bigger, uh, what, what I would call bigger crises and more numbers of crises going on than probably at any other time in world history. And I think that's mostly because we have the capacity to communicate about it so we know it's happening. Um, but, you know, sometimes it feels so big and so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is your thinking about all this? Well, I agree with you that uh, no doubt we have big challenges. There is no doubt about that. And I, I choose to look at it uh, in the way of um, that we also have huge amounts of resources in our own uh, ability to be creative and to not forget how small things can make a difference. Um, we just did an interview yesterday with uh, F. David Pete, and he's a physicist, a theoretical physicist. He lives in Italy, and he has a think tank there, and he has, he has written many books and studied indigenous cultures, and, and he's worked with the famous, uh, now uh, the late, uh, David Bohm, who was a quantum physicist. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he, his most recent book, which I highly recommend, is called Gentle Action. Hmm. And he, years ago we had a conversation with him about this, about how deep listening is really required. As we look at, at solutions, we can see that if we don't uh, listen in to what is truly needed, and we go too quickly to fix things, and we make more, more of a mess than what we started off with. Mm-hmm. And it's important to realize that little things do make a difference. For example, years ago we did an interview with uh, Muhammad Yunus, who now has received the Nobel Prize, but this was long before. And he, he found himself um, walking the streets of India, and he noticed a woman um, making baskets, and he stopped and he talked to her. And he asked her uh, how how that worked for her, and she was talking about how she had to buy this and how all these people got a piece of all of her action and and how very little she made from that to support her family. And he said, well, 
what if I give you the money to to make the baskets and 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 you don't have to go through all those other channels? Oh. So he went to a local bank and he asked about getting them a, a loan, and the bank laughed at him and they said, "Oh my gosh, that's such a little amount of money." He wanted to get a loan for this woman. He said, that's such a little amount of money. It would cost us more to process the loan than it would for the interest we'd get on it. And so that's when he got the idea to start his own bank, and he started the Grameen Bank. And he started these little microloans, and he mostly did them for women uh, because he realized that women would really use this money. And it turns out to help their family and their community. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that the payback of these loans is much higher than other uh, traditional loans. And now it's this whole micro-lending that's worldwide now. Just amazing to me uh, that, that this is uh, helping a whole movement to eradicate poverty in the world. So we, we, this is just one example of one person. There's another person um, uh, who worked, um, let me see, I'm, I'm trying to think, he, he got on the board of McDonald's Corporation, mm. and he was very hesitant about doing this. Uh, he, always, he was the head of a clothing, one of the largest clothiers, in in London in England and he he had figured out a way to really work very very efficiently with his staff and based on trust and and things worked out so well he became very very um successful so the McDonald's asked him to be on his their board and he hesitated but he he joined because he said okay here's what I want you to do and this just blew my my mind it's called a Mac passport, and this is where young people who work for McDonald's in Europe get this passport where they can work any place they want, like they can travel. They're encouraged to travel, and so they can work like five days at a time at a McDonald's, let's say in Italy, mm-hmm. and then they earn enough money to stay in Italy for a while, and then they want to go to Spain, and then mm-hmm. they... Uh, work five days in Spain. So they, they have this mobile workforce that encourages people to and their their employees to travel and get to know the world. And they also support um, people. Um, they give them, they tutor them in passing certain um, uh, tests in, in their schools. And I, uh, you know, I just think that that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Here, here's a corporation who is really doing something. Maybe we don't believe in all the good, all the things about McDonald's, but we, we do have to look at the different things that are working, that are doing well, and keep modeling that. And little people, one person can make a huge, huge difference. Right. We can make a difference in our, our community and just look around to what is close to us and start to make a difference. If we all do that, it's all going to turn around. Mm, that's beautiful. So in talking about, um, you know, kind of how difficult things are and taking small steps, you talk about in the book um, hanging out in the landscape of difficulty. Can you speak to that? Well, you know, uh, it, it, what I, it, that, that particular essay really referred to, which I, I felt really helped to change my mind, and it really, the, what happened for me was that I was a, um, 
on the board of directors of a nonprofit organization. And I, you know, I, I find it very, at least at that time, I found it very, very difficult to hang out with difficulty. I wanted to go to solution right away. Mm-hmm. And I remember at one point we were doing a whole weekend board meeting and there was something going on that really needed our attention. The whole nonprofit was having a great challenges. And I said, oh, guess what? Here's what we can do because we weren't coming up with any solutions. I said, we can all break up into little groups and we'll we'll talk about some solutions. We'll come back and compare our solutions and then come to the best one. Mm-hmm. And I remember the fellow board member turned around to me and he said uh, very simply but very elegantly, um, Justine, you know, I I haven't hung out in the landscape of the difficulty yet uh, to really be able to come to a solution yet and i i just i just couldn't believe what he was saying in some way it went so deep when i realized that before we can start finding answers we really need to know the landscape of where we're sitting mm. and that's what it, that's what david pete was talking about that gentle action that deep listening that pause before we jump in to change everything, mm-hmm. because we've seen that it can be disastrous before if we don't take that pause and to understand and not be afraid, not be afraid to look at those possibilities and look at those challenges and see those difficulties, mm-hmm. not to turn our head away from that. And then from that can come the the best possible solutions in our collective mind. Wow, that is beautiful and a brilliant way to bring us to a close. Justine, for um, people who want to know more about you and to contact you and learn more about your book, where would you send them? Well, you know, I think the best way is to go to my work um, email address. That's newdimensions.org. And you'll see on there we have over 800 um, programs that you can download. You can search our extensive website. And then there's uh, near the, the top of that home page is, is a copy of my uh, picture of my book, Small Pleasures. You can click on that, and that will take you to, to my personal website. Great. And you can get the book that way and find out more about it. Terrific. Well, we are so appreciative of your taking the time to be with us on Leading Conversations this morning. Justine Toms, author of Small Pleasures, Finding Grace in a Chaotic World. Justine, thanks. It's been my pleasure. Thank you, Cheryl. Remember, everyone, think big. The world could become a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Esposito. Thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and Leading Conversations. You can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G dot com. See you next week.